Welcome to this week's edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Hume, and I'm here to take you through the very latest news and views, hints, tips, and tricks to help you on your property journey. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers Podcast. I hope you're well. Uh, This week we had a terrible tragedy here in South London in Galpins Road where there was a huge explosion which flattened two houses and sadly took the life of a beautiful young girl. Um, So there are also people critically ill in hospital. There's an exclusion zone of 200 metres and many people have been left distraught, startled and grieving. So first thing I'd like to say is our thoughts, hearts, minds and prayers go to those affected. Uh, We're still a bit angry here. It's very local to us here. Uh, We went down and helped out at the community centre, just giving some donations and things and taking some pizza, trying to cheer people up. But um, it was an awful tragedy. And we hope that we get to the bottom of, and I'm sure we will actually, the one thing about our country is we have the most amazing investigatory services via the police and the London Fire Brigade. And I'm sure that they'll find out who's responsible. And when they do take them to task, it will be a criminal investigation. Apparently the residents were smelling gas and have reported it for some time. And now we have this huge explosion. Other two things related, we don't know, but certainly awful tragedy and probably one of the worst property tragedies that I've ever seen apart from Grenfell here in the UK. So um, terrible and uh, thoughts, hearts and prayers going out to the family there. Couldn't let this week's edition go by without saying that. How are you? It is the 12th of August 2022 while I record this. And we started to see here in London the inevitable drop off in the level of viewers that always happens at this time of year. Now, if this is happening to you, whether you're in London or elsewhere in the UK, um, don't be alarmed. Don't be startled. This is normal. Now, what is normal in a market that's been racing ahead? That's a very good question. And the truth is that this is an abnormal market because it's been so busy. The levels of interest have been bordering on euphoric from people looking to buy in what seems like an ever increasing market. One of the interesting stats that we've seen this month is London is coming back to the fore as one of the areas getting the most attraction and interest. And that's good to see if you're here in London like us, because it's been flat during the pandemic. And it's just nice to see it get back to the more normal kind of confidence that's usually there with London. You know, it used to be one of the most searched for places and it is again. Uh, on rental trends, uh, my heart goes out to you if you're a tenant as well. Uh, by the way, this is not financial advice, never is. This show is for information only. Um, but the average rent now in London is £2,257. It's unbelievable, isn't it? And the increase versus last year is 15.8%. It's extraordinary. It really is. Uh, that's in London. In the southeast, even now, the average rent is £1,611 per calendar month, and that is up 11%. And if we look across the country, it's a similar story, some areas rising more than others. Um, But yeah, the average asking rent now across the UK is £1,126. It just seems unbelievable, doesn't it? And I do feel we're getting to the stage now when we're advertising properties where we're putting properties up, We're getting a large number of applicants, so many applicants, in fact, that we take the ad down same day and then collate the responses, show the people 
that have expressed an interest early. And then if one of them takes it, it never goes back to the market again, of course. So if you're looking for property and you are a tenant, our advice is make sure you register for alerts on the likes of Rightmove and Zoopla so that you can see when a property comes live. Take the time to call the agent, email the agent urgently as soon as you see that link go live, because at the moment there is such a shortage of property coming available for rental. I've never experienced the market like it in 30 years, to be honest. Uh, So that's tough if you're a tenant. Obviously, the bad news for landlords is that interest rates have gone up from 1.25 to 1.75%. What can you do about that? is a question that's hitting our inbox quite a lot. How can you protect yourself against it? Well, it's a tough one. 1.25 to 1.75% is a massive increase compared to what we've seen at 0.25%. And it sparked unease for thousands of mortgage property owners across the UK, not just in buy-to-let, of course. And many uh, are braced for their rates to be affected. Those on trackers particularly will feel the rise sooner than others. And those on Standard variable rates will also feel the rate rise immediately. Money facts confirm the average interest rate on most mortgages was indeed creeping up. And the average five-year fixed rate is 4.08% this week. And that's the first time it's gone above 4% since October 2014. As if the fuel increases and uh, the energy price rises wasn't enough. Um, So we're in for a tough winter. There's no question about that. It can obviously under, understandably affect confidence levels for landlords. But having said that, the positivity among landlords is surprisingly high, according to the National Residential Landlords Association. And interest rates historically are still low. They may not feel that way to you if you're a recent investor and you haven't fixed your rate. But if you've listening to the show for some time, you probably have fixed your rate for a number of years. And the projections are, although there's no guarantee on this, that in the medium term, rates will stabilise and may even come down. But in the short term, we may even be looking at some more rises. Um, If you look at the average base rate over the last 25 years, it's been just over 4%. uh, And that's roughly the same period as buy-to-lets have been able to get mortgages from mainstream lenders. If we look back 40 years, the average jumps to about 8%. Now, uh, with inflation forecast to hit 13.1%, obviously it's a worry for many landlords and tenants. What can you do to protect yourself if you're a landlord? Well, number one is review your rent. And I know it's tough to approach tenants at this time. Nobody knows that more than us as managing agents. Um, What we tend to advise is many landlords fall far behind the curve, especially in times of rising rents. You can see why rents are rising. Landlords are looking to protect themselves against the huge increases they're getting in their own personal bills. And obviously, it's tough for tenants as well. I think the thing to do is look at your individual tenant circumstances. That's really important. And then look at where the rents would be if the property were advertised live today and what the tenants are paying currently. And if you want your tenant to stay, don't make that mistake of pushing the rents up to the highest possible point. But try and make if you're far behind the curve, then perhaps an incremental increase will work if you're some way behind the curve, but not massively, what we tend to advise is, and the way we tend to work with our rent increases with tenants is we tend to try and split the difference. So if your rent's currently at 1,500 per calendar month and the new rents that are coming to the market being let at 1,700, then we would suggest a meet in the middle at 1,600 per calendar month. This should keep your tenant happy knowing that they're not current paying the current rate although i say happy with inverted commas around because of course no one's happy about rent increases and also gives you an incremental increase as well 
So will landlords pull out of the sector? I don't think so anytime soon. If you look at how resilient the market has been in relation to things like stock market investments and how the underlying asset values have gone up even when rents hadn't and now rents are creeping up as well, you can see why property is a very attractive form of investment. Many of our landlords that were what I'd call accidental landlords that dropped into property because they couldn't sell their property perhaps during the pandemic or before have turned into longer term landlords. Why? Well, partly because they see the reliability of the income coming in and partly because they don't want to pay the capital gains tax bill on sale of the property when they can potentially refinance, release some cash and still have that rental income coming in covering more than the loan plus plus. So um, in terms of where that leaves the market, well, if interest rates keep going up, we will see more landlords exit the market, in my view. On top of that, of course, we have the new legislation coming, uh, the white paper that's out, the reform of the rental sector, the biggest changes for, well, really, since I think the Rent Act. And um, that's only a white paper at the moment. And with all the action around the change of prime minister, we can expect that to be delayed, but not halted. So we expect to see the new rental regulations coming in. And we've done another podcast about that. You can listen to that if you look in the index. So apart from that, the Bank of England is taking money from homeowners to curb inflation is the headline in City AM. It says property values have continued to soar, often defying predictions by economists. And uh, after looking immune, the National Association of Property Buyers says uh, that after looking immune to falling rates, house prices will start to flatline and perhaps reduce. We don't expect this is the case, but he added that everything else rises. Property will therefore be gradually gradually begin to look better value than it does right now. Um, our view is that because of a lack of supply and more importantly, and I think this is really important, one of the things that's happened over the last few years, actually since the banking crisis 2007-2009, is that lenders started to restrict the percentages that they would loan to people, particularly first-time buyers, the old 95%, 100% mortgages, or actually, if you go back far enough, 125% mortgages available for the Northern Rock are long since dead. And now a 20% deposit is a common deposit when buying a property for those that can afford it, because that's where the best rates are at 20 and 25%. What this has led to is a situation where the vast majority of borrowers in the UK have substantial equity in their homes. Why does this matter? Well, it matters because if you have equity, then you have options to refinance for most people. And what that means is you're unlikely to get repossessed. And if you're unlikely to get repossessed, this affects supply to the UK market. Back in 2007, 2009, people were struggling to pay their loans. And if we go back as far as the 80s, when we had the last recession, then we had a situation where interest rates more than doubled for many people. And in that situation, whilst property prices went down dramatically, people found that their equity was zero or indeed minus from the price they paid. So there were a lot of people giving their keys back or getting repossessed. When you have equity in a property, you don't want to lose that money. So you tend to keep hold even if things are tough. And so the supply of repossessed property is critical to how the market is impacted by the level of sales in the UK, because if there's a larger supply, it is a supply and demand market like any others. It, it rests on a number of things, including affordability. And that's where the interest rate comes in and has an impact. Uh, but also 
The Bank of England has just taken away the regulation, which means that lenders have to stress test loans by adding 3% onto the borrowed rate. Um, I don't want to get too technically into that, as this is not financial advice, but what it means is lenders are able to take a broader view rather than just looking at stress testing on a flat basis. They can look at the individuals. And also, one of the things that is encouraging is there are lots of noises around timely rent paying counting towards the cost of mortgage applications. And this is a think tank, and let's hope the government listens because we find a lot of our tenants are in a situation where they're paying regular rent payments and have done so for years, which would be the equivalent of a mortgage much larger than they could afford on paper. And what it says is reliable rent paying should be taken into consideration for mortgage eligibility. Uh, The recommendation is one of several made by policy exchange. It says that it should be adopted by the government if it's serious about helping people get on the housing ladder. Jared Lyons, senior fellow at the think tank, says more needs to be done to turn generation rent into generation buy. Saving for a deposit remains the biggest hurdle for many first time buyers, with the average needed equivalent to 110 percent of a typical full time worker's annual income, according to Nationwide. Lyons says that saving a deposit is especially difficult for those paying out of the decent proportion of their salary each month. He believes it should be compulsory for people with a long history of paying rent on time to be able to use that to improve their credit score. In addition, those who have shown they can keep up those monthly rent repayments should also be allowed to take out 100 percent loan to value mortgages in deprived areas. Renters wanting to buy should be able to access 110 percent mortgages. Um, I'm not so sure about that. As I've already said, I think it's useful to have some form of um deposit i think it's works for both sides and i don't think 100 percent is necessarily the way forward but i do think regular rent paying should be taken into account um and certainly it's something that we've advocated for some time and now the average mortgage hits 30 years for uk's first-time buyers more first-time home buyers in the uk are taking out mortgages that will take longer than ever to pay off the average term of a home loan taken out by a first-time buyer in june hit a record 30 years. This is according to data compiled by UK Finance, and that compares with 25.5 years in 2005 when it began compiling the data. Underperforming social landlords are going to be named and shamed. This is according to the government, and it's revealing the details of underperforming social landlords and publishing findings of Sophia maladministration on its website for the first time. We've heard about this before. There was a a landlord registered to to look at all the um, landlords that have fallen foul. And I think we did a statistic on this. You may remember it from a couple of weeks ago, looking at the number of, if you will, caught out bad landlords um, or rogue landlords, as they're called. And we worked out the percentage according to those actually discovered was 0.006%. And that's why it's a figure that you've not heard widely published because it's such a small percentage and the government would have you believe that the rogue landlord is out there in droves. And that's just not true. Most landlords are decent people just looking to protect their income from situations like we have today with rampant inflation and with rents going through the roof and inflation climbing. It's understandable that people look at property as a safe haven. So apart from that, This week, we're finding that there is not as many buyers out there, and that's to be understood. That's to be accepted in in this kind of market. What we find is that when the market's booming, it doesn't matter when you sell, there are always buyers out there. And there's still some degree of truth in that. But we believe that now, as the market cools a bit, 
more than ever, it's important to make sure you get your timing right. What does that mean? Well, at the moment, we're looking at September to release a number of properties, and that's because of the mums market. Now, you may have heard me talk about this before, but there are two significant selling periods in the UK if you want to sell at a time where you're going to catch the biggest audience. The first and most obvious one is the springtime. Now, when does spring start? Very good question. And for me, it starts when the weather breaks after the long winter, usually in March or April, but it does depend on the weather. And that's because we tend to find that people start to look when the sun shines. And number of reasons for that, not least those coming out of their homes, feeling trapped over the winter, all of a sudden feel a bit of release and feel like they don't want another winter in a small property, particularly if they don't have outdoor space. So the springtime is a very busy time and it's a long season because it can start as early as March and goes all the way through to June and sometimes early July. Then we have the summer season, July and August, where we find that a lot of people go away and particularly here in Southwest London, where we have a lot of young families that buy those families tend to enjoy their children over the July and August period and therefore are not so interested in searching for homes. It hasn't mattered that much this year because when the market's booming, there is an element of panic. People want to get on board. They want to make sure they don't miss out. You know, that FOMO is very real, the fear of missing out. And when people see prices rising, they panic. But at the moment, with things looking a bit gloomy in terms of the general economy, many buyers and sellers are sitting on their hands. Our advice, if you're a seller, is consider timing the release of your property for a September release when the children go back to school, because the mum's market is when the market tends to come back online and be quite strong. And that starts around the second week in September. But it's quite a finite window, this one, whereas the spring selling season is quite long. The mum's market starts the second week in September and goes all the way through till about mid-October. Then you guessed it, the weather again, as the weather starts to close in, the nights get darker, people are less likely to view and more likely to hold off. And Christmas is a pivotal point in people's lives, not necessarily because they celebrate it or not, but people just see it as a marker, partly because of the new year, of course, as well, seeing a new year, fresh start, fresh approach and everything else, uh, but mainly because of the holidays. And again, that's the peak holiday period. So the worst time to release your property for sale in the UK is really November to December. We always advise waiting until at least January before you release your home for sale. Over that period, it can get very quiet. It does depend on the market. And what's interesting is it depends on the supply and demand. And we always measure it, see how the market's doing before we decide whether to release a property. There are ways of checking demand, which we do via the major portals, Rightmove and Zoopla. And also try and sit yourself into a buyer's shoes. For instance, if you're selling a property in a coastal location or a holiday type location, it may well be that your peak time is July or August when people are away for a holiday and suddenly make that life decision to live in that place. You know, many people make that decision that they're going to change their lives. Uh, they go on holiday. They're having a fantastic time and they don't want it to end and they choose to sell up in London and then go to a holiday type destination. So the timing of release of your property for sale should be looking at the wider market in your local area. It might be that if you're in a uni area and you're looking at many buy to let investors looking to rent to students, that the timing is totally different in terms of the peak time when you might find those investors looking than it is for people here where we're looking families in southwest London, particularly looking for family homes where they're just looking for that garden space, the outdoor space, searching out value. And we tend to find where we are in southwest London. We call it the migration route. What happens is people start to look at areas such as Clapham by the Common, which is beautiful. 
but very expensive. You'll find out how much it is when you start looking there. And then they migrate out slowly by saying, well, if I can't afford what I want in Clapham, you've only ever got two choices. Really. If you can't find what you want, where you want, it's either lower your sights, i.e. go for a bedroom less or maybe no garden or look at other areas. Of course, there's a third option, but it's not available for most of us. And that is more money. And if you've got more money, yes, that brings open your options. But for most of us, it means expanding out those areas to areas where perhaps we haven't considered previously. So maybe if you were looking in Clapham, you might then consider Ballam. And for us, particularly here in SW16, Norbury and Streatham, what we find is that people start their search perhaps in Chelsea, <laughs> hopefully and come down to maybe Putney, then Ballam, Clapham, uh, well, Clapham, Ballam, and then on to Streatham Hill. And then from Streatham Hill and Brixton, they find that expensive. And before you know it, they've tripped over from SW9, SW2 to SW16. And then the SW16 search sends them into Streatham. In Streatham, they find that they can afford flats. But the SW16 postcode will also bring in Norbury and Norbury is south of Streatham, a little bit cheaper. But where you can afford a flat in Streatham, often you can find a house with a garden for a comparable price in Norbury. And people will live with that, come out that little bit further because we're still zone three, not quite as close into London in proximity. But we're a little bit more affordable, offer a little bit more value. So we find many people that way on what we call the migration route. And of course, there are those that struggle to commute in that come the other way because Croydon is an absolute nightmare in the mornings, as many of you will know, particularly if you're trying to drive in or out of it. And so people want to get the other side of it. And therefore, if you're driving into London, SW16 can be a fantastic location because the drive is much shorter if you don't have to negotiate Croydon, which tends to be a car park in the mornings. I know many of you will echo that. So that's it for this week. As always, grateful for your comments and questions so that we can produce next week's podcast, perhaps with your dilemmas and property issues. As far as the market's concerned, it's busy. It's not falling off a cliff, as some will have you believe. There are still buyers out there. There are still sellers out there. And if you've still got buyers and still got sellers, you've still got a market. So the doom and gloom mongers are starting to gather and the storm clouds are starting to gather as well, given what's going on at the moment. Uh, the net result of that, we believe, will be a slower market in September, but it will also be busier than it is right now here in August. And if you have any questions, as usual, do send me an email, ken at jamesalexander.com, and we'll perhaps broadcast your questions live with the answers. So thanks very much for listening, and we'll speak to you again next week. Have a great week. Ciao. Thank you so much for joining us on yet another edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers podcast. You can find out more at our website, jamesalexander.com. You can email me directly, ken at jamesalexander.com. We are estate agents and we can give you hints, tips, tricks and advice wherever you're buying, selling, moving to or from. Thanks to Ben Sounds for the intro and outro today. And thanks to Jack Bowles for production.